0: hello what's your least favorite scary movie
1: eat shit and live welcome to what's your least (laughs) favorite scary movie the podcast where we talk about our least favorite aspects and most debatable opinions of our most favorite scary movies we
0: fight over our favorites
1: i am your always welcoming and pleasant host jesse
0: you didn't sound so (laughs) (laughs) sure about that um and i am travis and this week we are finally closing our cabin in the woods themed summer event. Uh, we're ending it with a bang, though, with one of the classics in the genre, one of the campiest, one of the best sleepaway camp.
1: And it's considered cult horror, so it's a good transition into August. Yeah, it's a good segue. There's a hint for our August theme. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> oh wow, nudge. I know what it
0: is. <laughs> But, yeah, we are talking a classic here today, and it's um it's gonna be an interesting one because this is this kind of goes against what we do for this show where we both pick a movie that the other person doesn't really enjoy because both of us love this movie. but, um, yeah,
1: I, I take some issue with some parts of it,
0: yeah. and also, you don't think this is the best in the series, right?
1: It has its own special place. I consider it separate from two and three. Two and three, I consider a series together. And then this one is also there. And I, two and three are just so goddamn fucking silly and over the top. And this movie is also really fucking silly, but in a completely different way.
0: Yeah, it's got that camp to it, but tonally, it's completely different. It takes itself more seriously. Yeah, two it- and three are like comedies kind of, and they're almost meta in a way.
1: Yeah, the director actually intended for this to have some realism in terms of a camp experience, which, dear God, I hope he got some therapy for whatever his camp (laughs) experience was, because, Jesus.
0: It's kind of interesting. Um, I did a lot of, well, I wouldn't say a lot of research, but I did some decent research on uh, the director of this one, which is Robert Hiltzik. Um, Very interesting, because he started off with this. This was his first film. The only other film that he directed other than this was Return to Sleepaway Camp in 2003, which later got released in 2008. But to go into a little bit of background about him, um, he went to NYU, where he graduated um, from Tisch School of the Arts to study film. And pretty much right out of that, he ended up, he wanted to enter the genre. He wanted to make films. He He didn't want to start off being like a gaffer, he said. So he wanted to. He approached this as basically a business, like from like a business standpoint. He didn't do this because he likes horror movies.
1: I respect it. It no. it
0: makes sense because a lot of people did that back in the day. I mean, people, especially in the early '80s, horror and especially slashers were like the king of the box office because one, they're cheap to make; two, the return of investment is insane. Uh, speaking of which. This movie, he made this uh, uh, with $350,000 for the budget, which adjusted for inflation today is 954000 So it's still a pretty modest budget, all things considered.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. Well, Travis is going through his notes on the director, I yeah, just want to say we watched some of the uh, the background, the bonus stuff, because we've got the uh, Scream Factory Blu-ray. Was it any kind of a special edition? It's, yeah. The 4K? I mean, is no, that what it is? Okay. it's
0: just the... It's. I think it's the only Blu-ray version of it.
1: Okay. Well, we've got the Scream Factory Blu-ray. Screen Factory, uh, give us give us a sponsorship. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and during the, uh, like, there was, like, a mini documentary on the making of the film. And all of the main actors came in, and they weren't given any script to read from. He was just, like, he had uh, Jonathan Tierston, is that his name? Yeah. Uh, who plays Ricky. He was, like, all right, cuss me out. <laughs> Yeah, um, the the actor that plays uh, Ronnie, the muscly, short, short, shorted man, um, I can't remember his Paul name. Paul D'Angelo. Yeah, Paul D'Angelo. Uh, he was like, "All right, pretend you're breaking up a fight." No, it <laughs> wasn't
0: him. It was the guy that plays Gene that does it. Oh, he's Gino, one, Gino. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because he's the one that has to break up like the boy. He, it takes over the boys. I think Ronnie was more Ronnie like was overall the overall supervisor. Yeah, okay. yeah.
1: Ronnie was the only one that was actually given any like direct line to say out loud, I think.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Um,
1: but yeah, so he basically did the auditions kind of like an improv, which I just... I thought was kind of interesting because he yeah. really wanted this to mirror like more of a realistic camp experience. So he was just having people go on their instincts for those things.
0: Yeah, I guess speaking about that, he also mentioned when he was making this that he kind of wanted to take a new spin on it. And most of the movies at that time with that setting would have been a killer taking out the camp counselors. But in this one, he wanted to allow the kids to be the ones to do it. And pretty much this movie is a kid-on-kid slaughtering.
1: And in more of a way than actually was happening at the time as well, because not only was he having kid-on-kid slaughtering, like the actors were actually also children.
0: Yeah, like... Phyllis Rose was 13 at the time of this. Uh, Ricky, Jonathan, Tiersen, he was 17.
1: Whoa, really? He's, he's a
0: young-looking 17. He yeah. is. Which makes sense for like later when I mean, he has his shirt off, he has abs. I'm like, damn, that, that little <laughs> kid is ripped, but it makes me feel better that that was a 17-year-old. I've
1: got so many thoughts about Ricky. I know. I it's, it through. changes
0: things a little bit, doesn't it? <clears throat>
1: it also changes the little onset romance between Felicia and Jonathan. Well, yeah,
0: it makes it a little bit more spicy because he's pretty close to reaching it's that spicy age. Spicy in a bad way. Yeah, not a good kind of spicy. It's kind of yeah, not very really good. <laughs> he, <laughs> he gave the classic line in the interview about that. He's like, she was much more mature for her age, oh, which no. that's not oh, what you no. want to say. That's not how you're supposed to do that. Part of the reason this movie got made, though, um, we'll use this as a way to watch into some of the cast. Um, the guy that plays Mel, the overall camp counselor, or I don't even know if you'd call him a, count- it's like the, a counselor. He,
1: like the like the camp owner or director. Yeah. Director is what it is. Director,
0: yeah. Okay. His name is, uh, I've been
1: to camp. I know these terms.
0: <laughs> I didn't go to this type of camp, so I don't...
1: Well, I went to I went to E type of camp, but it had a lot of the same activities.
0: I went to the type of camp where you show up and then you go home later that day and show up the next day, so a little bit different. So
1: not a sleepaway camp?
0: No, not a sleepaway camp. Is that what where the title comes from? Yeah, I didn't know that's what that was an actual thing. I just thought yeah, sleepaway cause was. Yeah, because you're like...
1: talking about like day camp, and then like the next level is a sleepaway camp.
0: I had no idea. Oh, I saw that that was just like a title for this movie. Nope. Oh. Well, I mean, yeah, or...
1: but also it's a it's a real thing.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, what do you know?
1: Travis just learned something now. Podcasts are good for everyone.
0: <laughs> but yeah, Mel he's played by Mike Kelly. He was probably the only actual name. Well, actually, that's not true. The person that plays Meg is an actual name too. She had been on TV. I can't remember what show it was.
1: You know who uh, Mike Kelly could have talked to is the detective in uh, Fucking Pieces because Mel knows how to talk with a cigar and make it look natural as opposed to the detective who always has the cigarette yeah. and does not know how to handle it.
0: It's really sad though cuz he uh he died before the movie even came out. Oh. Yeah, yeah, I think lung cancer or something which makes the cigar oh, smoking god, that, not yeah. Oh
1: god Wow, my comment aged terribly in like Very 30 fast. seconds. Yeah. Jesus. I'm so, sorry.
0: No, it's okay. You didn't know.
1: I'm apologizing to the <laughs> I mean, he obviously,
0: he didn't really give a shit because he's like, clearly every single scene he's in, he's got a fat cigar in his mouth the entire time. But yeah, basically I got a lot of this information because he was being interviewed whenever he um, was doing like the press tour for, or whatever, for a return to sleepaway camp. Um, but yeah, he only made those two movies, which was really strange, I thought, because for one, he had a really successful movie right off the bat. And... um I just thought that that was strange, because after this, he went to law school at Hofstra and ended up becoming a lawyer in New York City. What or a, maybe not in New York City, in New York.
1: What an interesting trajectory.
0: Yeah, it's strange. But what happened was, apparently he had two other films lined up to be made in between, like after Sleepaway Camp came out. One of them was an action movie, I believe, that ended up just not making the cut. It, um, I think they had like new management come in. And that person just canceled all the pro- uh, projects at that time. And then the second one was a thriller movie, which also had a very controversial ending, according to him. And the guy was too afraid to release it. So he ended up just canceling the entire movie. So after that, he ended up, um, he had some kids during all that and ended up, he decided he needed to get like a job instead uh, of pursuing film.
1: Okay. I'm going to save some of this discussion for when we get to full-on like general thoughts because I know we still have some background info to go over.
0: Yeah, sorry. I got a lot of director yeah. background no, because I fine. thought he was a really interesting guy.
1: I just think it's interesting that the original proposal was for Phyllis Rose, noted 13-year-old, to wear a prosthetic
0: penis. Yes.
1: But whatever thriller he didn't make had a spicier ending than that.
0: He uh, he didn't tell them the ending of Sleepaway Camp. He kept that hidden.
1: Okay, okay. So it was the producer or whatever that didn't want to make the thriller. It
0: was the head of. He was getting like major studios backing oh, him. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Yeah, this is right here. It's like an indie thing that he See, sold.
1: And here's and this kind of ties into our discussion that we had last week about like major companies and the MPAA slash MPA, whatever the fuck it's called um kind of like curtailing creativity and what could potentially become really well-known movies
0: except this time it was a studio censoring itself but yeah it's pretty much what happened i would have been interested because it would have been a thriller movie so it's like horror adjacent at least yeah
1: i'm God, one thing that you all are going to learn um, is that we are not purists by any means. Well, technically, this doesn't make you horror. Like, if we have a good fucking time and we have enough scary moments, we'll call it horror and, um, you know, deal with it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it has a very <laughs> broad umbrella for what can be cast under that. But, yeah, got one other thing okay. that I thought was interesting. He... Um, before he actually this got big, or like he sold the rights to this or whatever, he wrote a script for uh, Sleepaway Camp 2, and he was in discussion to actually direct a sequel to it. And he ended up having several meetings with producers and decided entirely to just not do it. And he sold the rights for two and three. And from that script, some of the kills that he wrote in that are used in both two and three.
1: Ooh, I but wonder which one. We don't know.
0: He never said. <sighs> It's just that, so.
1: Oh, next time we watch through, we're going to play Guess That Kill.
0: That'll actually be fun, because you can maybe see the influence that he had. Oh, some of them
1: are way more over the top than others.
0: Yeah. And, And
1: we're, this movie is like comfort food horror for us. Especially two and three. Like, this is probably, besides Cloverfield, which is just a short fucking movie, this is probably the shortest my notes have ever been for a movie just cuz I didn't really have to write down what was happening. I just had like general reactions and reminders of the order of different scenes.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much burned into our brains at this point. Yeah. He would have the his script for Sleepaway Camp 2 was going to play it straight like the first film did. Again,
1: so. we're not purist by any means. Very big fan of horror mixed in with comedy and comedy mixed in with horror. So, I it's one of those that I think Two and three do it really, really well without without being like the typical kind of horror comedy that you think of, like Cabin in the Woods or Why can't I ever remember the name of the goddamn movie with the kids and the rednecks?
0: The kids and the rednecks.
1: Yes, the kids keep dying in stupid ways. Oh,
0: Tucker and Doe Yes,
1: I. I don't know why I love that movie, but I can never remember the name of it.
0: You got to think of better ways than The Kids and the Rednecks because that's so many (laughs) Cabin in the Woods horror movies.
1: But I'm talking specifically horror comedy.
0: Even then, I think it's still... (laughs) It's kind of... It's a lot of things out there.
1: But yeah, so it I think it it plays it differently. It, It feels very... I don't know. It just feels different to me.
0: It does. It's, it's completely and, and I'm also
1: going to say that 2 is my introduction to the Sleepaway Camp series. So I knew Pamela Springsteen as Angela Baker before I knew Felissa Rose. I
0: think it's the same for me because you're the one that introduced <laughs> me to this series. So I also really like Pamela Springsteen as Angela. I think that she does a really good job. She kind of makes it her own. So they yeah. both have their own. Like I could definitely just equally recognize them both as angela baker yeah just I got, two different people i've got
1: space for both of them in my heart
0: yeah exactly it's equally mm-hmm. split
1: but since i've been gushing over <laughs> meeting kane hotter i'm also gonna gush over the fact that felissa rose is gonna be in scare it's
0: too bad she's not throwing battle axes though oh
1: my god i wish she is like also if you've ever seen any interview with her and she does so many because she's like she's just the genuinely like nicest person Like, she is so sweet, and if you've seen her on tape ever, she's just always so bubbly and friendly, and it, I don't know, it's kind of really nice hearing how good everybody was behind the scenes for this. Um, I always like hearing that in a horror movie, because I think a lot of times we know that Hollywood can be a little bit shitty, and then horror is kind of looked down on in Hollywood, but then you hear about a lot of really good things going on on the horror sets, and I think that's nice.
0: I know that's, I mean, for the most part, they made it sound like everybody got along on this up, but I was reading online that one of them was actually bullied during oh, this set. No. Oh, Who was bullied? Mozart.
1: Oh, just like his character. Yeah. Eh?
0: Oh, no. I know. It, it sucks because-
1: uh... That's going to be relevant when we get to one of my notes later. I don't want to spoil it for you now.
0: Okay. Well, <laughs> we'll save it till then. Maybe I should have saved that for you, too. I only have one final thing to say about Robert Hiltzik. He did not know about the success of this movie until the two thousands.
1: What the fuck?
0: Yeah. He did not This movie realize. came
1: out in nineteen
0: eighty three. Yeah, he um so pretty much his only experience with seeing how people perceived it before was he went as described to a theater at night in one of the rough parts of town, and he wanted to see how they interacted with it. And they did the typical thing of like shouting at the characters on screen and uh, on screen on screen.
1: That just made me think of the Stabathon.
0: Yeah, it was, well, maybe that's kind of right what I was saying. It's pretty <laughs> much like Scream 2's opening. It's pretty much the way I took it, the way he said it. they were just kind of, you know, enjoying and laughing and having a good time. So he. he appreciated that but he didn't know that it became such a cult following until Anchor Bay who um they release movies on like Blu-ray and DVD they contacted him to do a commentary with Felisa Rose and it was at that moment whenever he realized how successful it had become so yeah I think that was one of the main reasons why he decided to do a sequel because I guess you know obviously he was interested in filmmaking to begin with and you know, I guess he had an opportunity. So Maybe we'll talk about Return to Sleepaway Camp one day. I don't really remember too much about it because we haven't watched it in a long, long time. We watched that way back when we first started dating on Netflix.
1: Was it on Netflix or did yeah. we rent it from Hastings?
0: It might have been Hastings too. We might have rented it, but we watched it a long, long time ago and I haven't seen it since and I'm kind of interested to watch it. But, yeah,
1: we've seen the other three so many times.
0: But yeah, that's, uh, that's my Robert Hiltzik And movie background information that I had before this. Hope you guys thought that was interesting.
1: I found it interesting. So, we know the writer and director, and we talked about some of the actors. Do you want to just go ahead and read out the actor names before we get to our general thoughts?
0: Yeah. So, we have Felicita Rose. She plays the main character, Angela Baker. Jonathan Tiersen plays Ricky, her cousin.
1: Cousin Ricky.
0: Karen Fields plays Judy. She's the bitchy camper that is basically. Angela's nemesis throughout this movie. Christopher Collet is Paul. Collet. Collet. Christopher Collet is they Paul. They it
1: in one of the bonuses, man.
0: Okay, well, I guess I didn't fully hear that. So Christopher Collet plays Paul, who is uh Whistle uh, Rose's love interest in this, and Ricky's friend from the previous year of camp. Mike kellen as I said before, plays Mel. Catherine camille I, I don't know. It almost looks like Kami. That's
1: what I thought. That's how I assumed you were gonna pronounce it.
0: Yeah, she plays Meg, who is the main counselor. M E G. Yes, because there's no other way to spell Meg.
1: There are other ways to spell Meg.
0: Are there? Yeah. M E G H.
1: Um. M E G G. Uh, Cycle seven of America's Next Top Model.
0: Again, this show comes up. (laughs) Okay.
1: Rock and roll. Again, for our small overlap of people who like ANTM and people who like horror movies and our podcast, that one's for you.
0: What uh, any is somebody from America's Next Top Model?
1: Yeah, okay.
0: I'm taking, I take it she did that at one point,
1: Uh, many points, okay, or one point and they just like recycled it over and over into footage.
0: Well, she sounds stupid.
1: No, she's actually very sweet and she went on to have a very successful career as both a model and a musician.
0: I'm sorry, Meg. meg Megage. Megage. <laughs> <laughs> all, all right. right. Uh, Paul D'Angelo plays Ronnie, the buff fucking Dick bulging camp counselor.
1: Hey, he is the epitome of if you've got it, flaunt it. Pretty much. There ain't no part of him he ain't flaunting.
0: He's he's got it all out there for everybody. His dick basically gets like a secondary feature in this. <laughs> And finally, the Wait, last person... Wait, what's pers- his name? Um, the actor's name. Paul D'Angelo.
1: I was trying to see if there was some sort of a dick joke there, but there isn't.
0: Pee-pee? <laughs> Pee-pee D'Angelo? <laughs> I don't know. And um, the last person I want to credit is Desiree Gold, who plays
1: Desiree. Aunt-
0: Desiree. damn, I'm just butchering all the names, aren't I? Desiree Gold, who plays Aunt Martha.
1: And we're going to give a special uh, May They Rest in Peace, Pouring Out the Homies to Desiree Gold and Mike Kellen.
0: So whenever we first started watching this, um, there's a intro thing that Jesse and I first we put this thing on almost immediately after hearing about her death, but that's not dedicated to her. Okay. So we thought that the movie updated because it's like on Blu-ray. And every time we booted it up, it's like, do you want to connect online? And I'm always like, okay, sure. I thought that it, they put on some kind of message.
1: And Travis has explained this to me several times, but I really just think that Blu-rays are magic when it comes to stuff like that.
0: I Yeah, I tend Take... to agree. I don't really know too much about them <laughs> I myself.
1: I, I grew up in a time where a disc was, it was a disc. The information on it was finite and unchangeable. This is witchcraft.
0: I think it's still unchangeable. I think you can just connect <laughs> online to get things. So I think I may have been misinformed. But that person is actually, I think, supposed to be Robert Hiltzik's mom. Aww. Which apparently, from something else I read, he got some of the funding for the movie from her. Um, it was a result of her death. I think um, he got stuff from her will or whatever. I don't know what they call that, where they get money from that. But yeah.
1: Speaking of moms, Felissa Rose's mom was uh, the kind of the stage mom to all of the kids. I thought it was kind of
0: she was the only mom there. Yeah, apparently. she was
1: the only mom there, and she really uh, worked hard to make sure her daughter wasn't being exploited.
0: Yeah, apparently she did not want. Um...
1: She didn't want a lot of things for well, Felissa. We'll
0: talk about some more of yeah. this stuff. Well, yeah, we'll we'll save that. So that's a lot of background information and stuff like that. So I want to hear why you chose this movie to be or i you allowed me to choose this movie that way you have to be on the defense i know you
1: you were very surprised because you thought that if we were to cover this movie it would be one where we'd mainly be arguing against the internet
0: yeah because we both talk about how much we love this movie all the time
1: and a big part of what i don't like about it and this is going to be very unpopular to a lot of the fans of it is i don't like the ending i don't like that it's some big twist that angela's peter and that she's the bad guy and it it feels very transphobic <laughs> and okay. in a lot of ways it is it's got a lot of homophobic moments in it too um but i think those are i don't know I, there's there's a lot of like a uh, moral panic in this movie yeah that i don't love um and I it it happens a lot I and mean, we've talked about this in other movies where we talk about the othering of a certain type of demographic making them the bad guy because of X Y Z characteristic right so Angela is the killer and I think <laughs> it completely overshadows the fact that everybody that killed her was that she killed was somebody that had bullied her or tormented her in some sort of way not everybody not everybody we'll talk about that i know exactly who you're thinking of mm-hmm. that one's the, that one's the most of a stretch okay? okay but i don't like that the movie just drops off like ha ha! oh my god she's a boy that's why she's killing everybody it leaves a bad taste in my mouth i don't like it
0: do you think that's the reason why that like that's what they intended was the reason why the fact that she like is like a trans child
1: i don't well first of all we're, we're gonna talk about the whole trans thing in a second
0: oh um, excuse me i'm sorry <laughs> no, i know i realize now that that was not there sorry it's just like so no, ingrained yeah, no
1: no 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 i get what you're saying and i'm, I'm gonna refer to her as angela and her because for a majority of the film like that is how she is constantly presenting right that she yeah is, like answers to angela she's wearing the clothes but there's problematic things with that as well like it it, and it's only because canonically in the series she continues to go by angela that i'm doing that okay if that makes sense because in two three and four she's angela throughout
0: in a way you kind of have to take those as different too based off of them not being but also, at the same time, they kind of did take some of his stuff, but they went in a completely different direction than yeah, what he was going to yeah. do. So. And I'm going to
1: say, too, like, with the beginning of 2, I know that they, like, vaguely touch upon all of this, but I always wrote it off as, like, spoiled, ignorant teenager transphobia.
0: I think that's what they were going for.
1: Yeah, which is how it comes off. And, you know, for somebody that went into it, seeing it, I was just like, oh, cool, she's a shitty person, so I'm not supposed to feel bad when she died. Like, that's a- 100% how I took it. It wasn't until years later when I saw the original that I was like, Oh, so they actually were trying to tie it into the first movie. Okay. Um, so there are a lot of problems with that, and there are plenty of movies that use this trope of um, somebody is not conforming to what is supposed to be the correct way to... Th- it's all fucking bullshit. I, like, I'm doing air quotes, and I can't convey that over audio only. I feel it, like it comes
0: across through your voice.
1: Yeah, it... There are more than there are more than two genders. Gender is not a binary. Um, it it's been shown in many different cultures and many different species way way, way back in time for human beings. It, it's not a new thing. It's such a delicate and important issue. It basically comes down to trans people or people and I don't it, it sucks that so much trans representation in movies is like killers, right?
0: Yeah. Oh, um, wait, what? Trans, uh, or like mostly...
1: In like horror movies, that's... It, it comes down to a lot, like think about Buffalo Bill. Some people make the argument that Leatherface is um some sort of like a trans metaphor because of the, the mask and the I've apron never... and everything.
0: Oh, that's new to me.
1: And I'm not saying that that's the only trans representation in horror movies. I'm just saying those tend to be the first names that come to mind, right? And they're not the most flattering representations. The
0: only thing that comes to mind for me is angela baker i can't really think of any he others.
1: was a killer yeah but... which is and here's where i'm gonna uh, so i'm gonna share one other little piece of my thought but then i'm going to read some excerpts from some articles of people that speak about it much more eloquently than i can okay just because i, I want to do i want To do my best to try and voice it because I think it's important to voice it. But I think it's also good to lend the floor to people that have direct experience and are well-versed in discussing it. That's fair. But I I know I've talked about this with you before too. I think there's a whole lot of stuff within Sleepaway Camp that is about self-discovery because we see it's not just... Angela was forced into being Angela. You know, uh, we we see a lot of different ways that these preteens are embracing their own sexuality. You know, we see different representations of it. We see Angela is clearly not comfortable with it because she's not comfortable in the body that she's been living in. Yeah. Um. We see Ricky kind of got left behind by his last year's girlfriend. We see Judy who is using it to her own advantage we see meg who is being preyed upon by an older man we see the fucking cook who is a pedophile and gross like we see a lot of different <laughs> i didn't mean to put that in with like understanding your. yourself no, but, I know it, what you it, mean. but it is like you know um angela has that moment with the cook too where she's being thrust into a world where her body is being commodified yeah um, you know, and then it ties into those flashbacks where she sees, um, her father and his partner and then the flashback of Angela and Peter's children mimicking what they're seeing, trying to make sense of it in something that, you know, they seemed like they were a cohesive family unit. So they're just kind of like, they know that they've typically seen it as a boy girl thing, but they know it can be a boy boy thing, you know, like. We see a lot of different layers to it, and I think there. And I again, was it intentional? I really don't know. I really don't think so, just based on the way he talks about the movie. Um, You
0: know what he thinks about this movie? He thinks it's entertaining. Is one of his quotes, and the second quote is a good date movie.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Well, I I don't disagree with that second part.
1: Well, I'm gonna read. um, I've got excerpts from two different uh, two different writers who oh, both write about, um, various things, but they are actually married and they've both written separate articles for se- separate, um, websites about this movie and Harmony and Col- Colangelo. I'm sorry if I pronounced that wrong. Um, she wanted, cause they both love this movie and they both recognize some of the problematic parts of it. Um, And similar to me where I I don't want to sit here and defend a movie that is inherently problematic because I don't feel like I'm in a place where I can do that. I think it's good to get an outside perspective, which is why I went searching for this. It's so easy to (laughs) find the arguments for why this is transphobic. And I think I presented several of those um, already. So I wanted to get another side of the argument that would feel disingenuous coming from me. Um, let's,
0: Let's hear it.
1: In a backwards way to how things play out in most films... All of this makes Angela Baker a tragic example of how important gender expression is. In Angela's brain she is Peter, but people keep calling her by a name she doesn't want to be called and misgendering her. That is the plot of all films about transitioning, but because it takes place in reverse and is attached to a problematic film like Sleepaway Camp, it is discounted on all counts. This is doing a disservice to what this film has to say, whether it was the creator's intentions or not. The framing of Sleepaway Camp presents Angela as the villain, but she is no more of a villain than Frankenstein's monster also love that quote because you know how I feel about Frankenstein and Frankenstein's monster. Oh,
0: yeah.
1: Uh, Angela didn't want to be the monster. She was turned into one by everyone and everything around her. From where I sit, she's the unseen antihero doling out cathartic trans justice. She is cursed with a duality because there is no good way to view her as a positive character because she isn't doing good things. At best, there are explanations for why she does what she does, but you will always be a complicated subject. You can blame the bullies and Aunt Martha as the root of Angela's actions, but at the end of the day, she was failed by the system. In Trump's America, bigots have never been more emboldened to be bigots, and living in a swing state, I'm constantly confronted by the question of whether I can let them win. Do I go up and say something in response to their behavior, or is it unsafe to do so in that moment? Doing nothing means they will keep doing it, but fighting with them likely isn't going to change their minds and could put me and my partner in danger." There's no universal answer for every situation, but wouldn't it be so much nicer and easier if there was? Bad things happening to bad people. Child molesters getting scalding water poured on their faces. And this is from um, an article called The 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 Transgender Defense of Angela Baker in Sleepaway Camp. And again, that's by Harmony M. Colangelo
0: that sounds interesting
1: yeah um so i really liked that and that was a lot more dissecting the movie and her wife bj colangelo wrote an article for dread central that kind of talks more about um the society like actual society but ties it into it okay um is sleepaway camp homophobic and transphobic yeah, pretty much. It perpetuates the idea that you deserve to be punished for being gay and all the trans women are just dangerous men in disguise. It's a super gross narrative that has been perpetuated in horror films for decades. I'm looking at you, Buffalo Bill. But the fact that Glad slash Harris interactive poll showed only 16% of Americans say they personally know someone whose transgender media representation is often the only exposure people have. Sleepaway Camp is terrible transgender representation, yes, but it's also an incredible metaphor about how forcing gender roles onto someone that doesn't align with who they are is fucking dangerous. Studies have proven that children experiencing gender dysphoria and living in non-affirming homes are prone to depression, thoughts of suicide, and yes, sometimes violent outbursts. Uh, The feelings of confusion, pain, and anger that Peter is feeling throughout the film are totally justified. And she she clarifies saying that she's not saying that gender dysphoria creates murders. That's not what she's saying. She's just saying there in society we repeatedly see people, you know, if you have a child coming to a parent that's like, "Hey, I'm not this person, I'm this person." And the parent completely negates that, refuses to acknowledge that or even discuss it. It can create so much harm to that individual. Um, so I think these are really important topics. They're really important, um, societally. They're really important to me personally. And I just really wanted to share those articles. I think they're really well-written. Um, go check them out Yeah, and always, always do some research. Again, like I said, I, I have some icky feelings about the film, but I also, I have so much love for it at the same time. And it's really hard pulling these things apart. Yeah. So getting different perspectives, especially, like, a lived-in perspective, was really important to me. Yeah,
0: it's good getting other people, especially people who have that similar type of experience and knowing how they feel about it. Because, I mean, we don't really know what—I mean, we just kind of, like, have to imagine. I think we'll touch more on this in the closing arguments, but I'll, you know—
1: So I, I wanted to say that. I wanted to say that that's the biggest thing that I have against this movie. Yeah. Um. And I wanted to give that moment its seriousness. Yeah. Before no. we launch into talking about it and all the things that we do love about it, because there is a lot that I do love about this movie. Oh, yeah. Um. It's silly. It's got a lot of dumb fucking moments that just work. <laughs> and Cousin Ricky is... He is one of my all-time, like, top 10 favorite movie characters, okay? This kid is comfortable with himself. He is protective of his cousin. He's a good friend. Like, and when I say he's got good self-esteem, like, he knows his worth. And I think that's great to see on screen. Um, And he's so defensive of Angela. And, like, I just... Want to yeah. hug him and protect him. He is he's good. The best. He's probably
0: one of the best shit talkers in all of horror.
1: Yes, and knowing that that was just Jonathan Tierston is actually also that really was his cool. audition, basically.
0: <laughs> yeah. So it, they cast him well. It's really nice. So, yeah. Ricky's probably one of the best parts of this whole thing, and I think it's kind of nice I had somebody like that because obviously you know he knows the situation. So obviously he's somebody that cares deeply about Angela or Peter, however you want to address them.
1: All right, Trav. So, what are some general thoughts and your pre-rating, so we can get this show on the road, road,
0: Okay.
1: out of the parking lot.
0: I think that this movie is like an amazing horror movie. I don't think. I don't think this guy really. I think he wanted to make a good movie, but I don't think he wanted to make like a good horror movie. I don't know. He ended up just making like a classic, a classic cult horror movie.
1: See. Y'all, I say this a lot in our marriage, but Travis says phrases backwards all the time and I love him for it.
0: What did I say backwards?
1: Classic cult. Cult classic is how people usually say it. Oh, cult.
0: Okay. (laughs) This is the
1: man who once said it is uh, 55 after seven instead of just saying five (laughs) to (laughs) late.
0: I don't remember that. But yeah. I will
1: never forget.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think it's a great movie. I think it's amazing. Um,
1: What is particularly great about it for you? Give me three fun things. I know we need to get going, but.
0: Three fun things about this movie. Mm -hmm. I, some people would call me morbid, but I enjoy having the stakes so high that they don't mind kids being killed. Okay. And things like that, I think. I mean, this is almost exclusively killed. Yeah, kids being killed. So, you know, (laughs) it's not, I'm not pro. I don't enjoy just watching kids die. It's just, you know.
1: You heard it here, Travis enjoys children deaths.
0: I don't. I like it when nothing is off the table, and this movie does that. So, number two, I think that the characters are all really realistic in terms of their interactions with each other. As far as like kids and people just interacting with each other, I think everybody is super authentic. I think that's because they don't have much of a script to go on, and most interactions were probably genuine for the most part. And number three, I think this movie has some really clever kills to it, and um, especially everything with it being on such a tight budget. I think they did an amazing job with the, like even the effects, um, like the castings that they did of people. Like there's several like fake faces and dummies and stuff used throughout this movie. I think that they no no I think they did an amazing about, job.
1: I'm gonna talk about my favorite special effects. Don't worry. Okay. I've got one that I think is like the best of the whole film. So.
0: All right. We'll get into that then.
1: All, All right. right. What's your score?
0: Score is 9.5.
1: Mine's a nine. Okay. Cool. So 9.25 to start with.
0: Sounds about right.
1: All right. So I want to start off with the credits right away, which I think we're just done in a way meant to be cheap because um, I know some movies put a lot of thoughts into how they do the credits and this is just a pan over the camp. With the credits rolling, but they also have like audio going of like a typical camp, and for some like to me, it's just so eerie.
0: It's uh, it's got that dramatic it's, music yeah, too, though. It's
1: like it's spooky.
0: Yeah, that's good. So. That's actually the camp that the director went to as a kid. <laughs> like, I Again, I ask,
1: what was his camp experience?
0: He said that he based this movie off of that because a lot of the um, whenever he was there. There was very little supervision and kids were able to go and do their own thing for the most part, which is very true for this. So I think it's fairly accurate. You know, maybe they didn't have a killer, but, you know, it is what it is.
1: Let me start off, we see two little kids and their dad on a little boat. Um, these little kids have the most Jersey accents I've ever heard. Uh, I don't think a small child should be allowed to sound like that.
0: One more thing here. Um, okay. The kid that plays Peter... Mm-hmm. guess who he is
1: I have no guesses because I did not know that he was anybody I don't have I, his... like I mean I knew he was a person but oh, you yeah. know what I mean
0: I don't have his like full name but um, he is the older brother of Mike the Situation from Jersey wait.
1: Shore wait oh shit which explains the super <laughs> Jersey accent okay yep okay I-, I wonder if that's how like northerners feel when they hear like like our little nephews we like country yeah I'm going to throw this toy off the patio, and then we're going to see if it's damaged or not damaged. Actual sentence that came out of our nephew's mouth earlier today on the phone.
0: Well, I could be biased, but I think Southern accents kind of have a little bit of a charm to them. I don't think <laughs> anybody says a New York or a New Jersey accent's charming.
1: <laughs> but yeah, anyway, they're, they're talking about it. They're just setting up some general exposition and like not the clunkiest exposition we've ever seen you know they're near the camp and they want to go to the camp they talk about um so the the father's partner is on the shore and he's like hey the doc's on the way the dock is their aunt martha and we they don't directly say aunt martha's coming um they're like they hear the dock is on the way and the little kids go oh cousin ricky's here so you like you put together like it's either the aunt or the uncle cuz yeah. cousin ricky And then they're like, oh, well, cousin Ricky's with his dad. Okay. So, um, you know, divorced parent situation, which kind of sets up the whole, like, dynamic, the family dynamic that Peter slash Angela ends up getting thrown into. Right. Um, Which I thought was nice. Meanwhile, we've got uh, the first case of irresponsible counseling which if you um if you listen to us you know we like to play drinking games sometimes to movies and that is uh, one of the rules and truly it could be the only rule to this movie if you wanted it to be if you still wanted to um get intense with it because it's drinking every time you see an example of an irresponsible adult yeah. Or counselor. And a lot it's of the counselors are, are yeah.
0: The guy's got a lifeguard thing on his shirt, so it's yeah. Not, yeah.
1: Yeah, So he's driving the boat and the like younger teenager person's like, Let me drive the boat. Meanwhile the camper is on water skis and is like sobbing and begging to just stop, which I can relate to. I've been there at times in my life. Like Yeah. <laughs> I did the thing, I'm done proving myself, please let me come back in. But uh Anyway, she ends up driving the boat, but she's not paying attention, so I guess his first instincts to not let her drive were correct because uh, she ends up hitting the dad and one of the children.
0: They flip the, vo- uh, the boat. The oh, kids yeah. play a prank on the dad by pushing him you, in. You mean
1: you mean the little schemers. Yeah, the
0: little schemers, as he calls them. He they pushed... have a little
1: Hallmark moment when they get into the water.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but they're flipped over, and they're swimming in the water. And Yeah, um, this person apparently... They're a very decent amount of distance away from them, but they can't steer out of the way for whatever reason. Obviously for they were so purposes. fucking
1: close to the shore. My question was, even if the boat wasn't there, somebody was going to get hurt because they were so close to the shore.
0: Yeah, but they could have easily turned. They acted like the wheel was jammed, which was so fucking stupid. But... Yeah,
1: we see the dad's body just floating, and then we see a little tattered life vest.
0: So we assume it's at least bad. one of the kids are dead.
1: And I wonder, um, I mean, we don't find out till the end that that was the dad's partner. I I wonder what happened with the whole custody situation of the remaining child. I wonder if it's a situation that they weren't.
0: I don't think that they were married. And I don't think he would have been able to have legally received custody since, you know, that probably wasn't his. I mean, it definitely wasn't I mean, that's his still,
1: I mean, that's still an issue that comes up like nowadays in 2021 i just i wanted to throw that out there like i wonder uh, part of me was just wondering what the background situation how torn up this guy might be because they seemed like a happy little family unit you know
0: well i'm sure he is yeah i don't think it's pleasant for anybody to watch their lover and you know child
1: yeah so i just like a thought a moment for um i believe his name is lenny a moment for lenny
0: lenny Great names in this movie. Yes. Fast Um, forward.
1: Fast forward to the late, great Desiree Gold in the most bizarre performance I've ever seen that just works.
0: She said that they didn't tell her to play it awkward, but she said that the lines were so strange that she didn't know how to do it. Apparently, she tried to back out of playing the role, but um, Robert Hiltzik told her no you're the one that's playing this role and you're gonna do this and she did and i'm glad that she, uh, she did because she she's on the screen for such a small amount of time but it's such a memorable performance
1: yeah she, she does a really good job um we, we've already established she's a doctor that's what i mean like a lot of movies and you know maybe these lines were clunkily written so she played it the way she did but a lot of movies establish their exposition in a very kind of clunky way and this movie i think did it okay for being a first time writing directing feature yeah. so we already knew she was a doctor it was a throwaway line but she was like okay well i've got your physicals just don't tell them how you got it so we know she's the one that did the physicals which you but know we're
0: supposed to assume that it's the other child that has survived
1: yes we're supposed to assume it's angela that survived it's not like peter pl- yeah
0: it's like a little bit of like planting a seed early in the movie that yeah you know you think you don't you know you don't re- i mean yeah. first time watching you don't think anything of it but because she's such a weird character but yeah yeah it's important
1: yeah um yeah she's got all of these ideas about what's good and proper and she's perfectly fine with coming up with her own moral code for things and it's uh, she's on screen for like maybe 90 seconds total for this movie but she's a huge pivotal part of it
0: yeah no yeah. that won't do it all
1: no no so my note for when the buses pull up to camp so many kids so many shorts. Big age differences. Ew, ew, ew. Chef Artie. Baldies. No such thing as too young. Mufasa's dad just laughs.
0: <laughs> I feel like that's <laughs> like a haiku. <high> <laughs> <laughs> like, that could be deep. You could do that at some clubs and you could like really... Yeah. You got potential there. Yeah, that's a fucking strange scene. Yeah. I don't understand. I mean, I guess well no i don't really i don't understand why they had to make this character yeah okay
1: i had so many questions right off the get because first of all like when i went to camp there weren't buses that took us to camp or if there were like you at least had to be dropped off in a spot they weren't going to come collect you but with the opening scene with ricky and angela and um, aunt martha it it seems as though the bus is picking them up so we've got all these buses releasing all these children again all the camps i went to it Age groups went at different times throughout the summer, but these appear to be all ages thrown together.
0: Yeah, I think um, that they were just needing extras.
1: Yeah, and then again, like you said, why did Chef already have to be there? Why did they have to make him so outspokenly grotesque? Why did his clothes have to be so fucking dirty? I, he's
0: in the kitchen. I get why they're dirty.
1: I like why, why? Does Mufasa's dad? I like. I'm sorry. I I know his name, but I can't pull it out of my brain. Oh, um,
0: pull it up. Ben
1: is the character's name. The actor's name is um, James Earl Jones's dad. <laughs> that's his name. Yeah, that's his name.
0: It is Robert Earl Jones. Robert
1: Earl Jones. Um. Yeah. Like he he acts like nothing's wrong with Artie the whole time. He just says ha ha ha. Um.
0: Yeah, it's he, it's weird. It's like that
1: awkward laughter, you know, like when you're at a family reunion and you've got like that like way distant like uncle or cousin or whatever that says things that are way inappropriate and you're just like, eh.
0: Yeah. Um, except I don't really feel like he's super put off by it. He's just like, oh, Artie.
1: Yeah, it's it's gross. He says, and I'm not even joking, he he. Refers to these young girls coming off of the boats as baldies, and that's yeah. ex- it's referring to exactly what you think it is. Yeah, um, and I'm not kidding when I say Mufasa's dad just goes, "Ha ha! ho you, yeah." Uh-huh. Um, we, Ricky is showing Angela the grounds because he's the best cousin ever. He doesn't just ditch her when they get there. He's like, okay, well, here's this area. Your bunk's going to be down in this way. Um, you know, just like kind of giving a general rundown saying he'll check on her and where to find him. And his friend, Paul runs up and he introduces him. And then Paul is a gross teenage boy and is like, wait till you see Judy. And he like motions to like his chest. And man, oh, she's man. got Yeah big boobs so you know just uh it's gross but also like they're teenage boys so yeah it's i mean not unrealistic just also gross. that's what i'm talking about it
0: feels genuine yeah like, that's real dialogue right there
1: and then we meet judy who is talking to older boys and doesn't have time for ricky now
0: they were steadies last year
1: yeah which who talks like that
0: well that's like old shit right there
1: <laughs> and then they get to the cabin and we see meg she's like all right, case you didn't know, name's Meg. M-E-G. One, no, they don't know because they just got there. Two, like Travis pointed out earlier, that's the easiest name in the world to spell. Three, she throws in Susie like an afterthought. Like, oh, yeah, if you got a problem, talk to Susie. This is the complaint department. And Susie's just, like, internally dying because she knows it's going to be a whole summer of dealing with this bullshit. Yep. Okay. Do you want to talk about the next scene? Because I don't...
0: Is <laughs> the next scene at the mess hall. Yep. Okay. So we go into the mess hall where all the kids and everybody, the counselors included, are eating lunch that day. It's been days since the camp has started. I think three. it's been okay, three days. And Meg is upset because Angela refuses to eat, so she goes and complains to Mel, who is, like we said before, the director of the camp. And um, Mel just tells Ronnie to go deal with it. So, you know, Ronnie... He,
1: he directs Ronnie to deal with it. He directs
0: Ronnie, yes. <laughs> he's the director. He does his job, yeah. <laughs> Ronnie is a good guy.
1: Ronnie is a good guy. He's, again, like I said, I think he's self-confident. I embrace Ronnie's short shorts.
0: Well, it's kind of inappropriate with a campground full of kids.
1: All of the kids are also wearing short shorts.
0: Yeah, but man, he's their dick's not Lewis. just like bulging out of their pants at all times there's like probably like half mass the entire
1: okay but did you see that video clip of um was it taekwondo or so one of the whatever the olympic fighting thing is in the olympics where they're fighting not boxing but like actual like street fighting or not street fighting but
0: you talking about mma
1: is it mma in the olympics is that what it is? i don't know there's okay. so many
0: sports in the olympics
1: okay well either way these dudes are grappling Cut out the stuff that makes wrestling? me sound stupid when you edit this. I don't know if it's wrestling or not. That's okay. if it's
0: Usually with grappling, it's wrestling. Or okay. MMA, it's both. Like, okay, I don't know. we'll
1: just edit out the stuff that makes me sound stupid. No. Okay, please. Um, <laughs> all I've seen is this clip all over my news feed of this guy that's got this dude pinned down, and his face is like near his crotch, and you see the guy's hips turn, and that's when you see that like his boner has been pressed up against his face because it like, goes... <sighs> out. He's got a boner? Like He's yeah.
0: like... He's erect. Yeah. That's a weird time.
1: I can't believe you haven't seen that.
0: No. Yeah. I had not. Was I don't sick? think he was
1: like sexually aroused. I think it was just like one of those things that he stimulated. It's like That's not what's supposed to happen in the middle of combat. Well, okay. Um, did you never have an embarrassing moment growing up?
0: Look, I get that their outfits are like tight and it probably rubs up, but in combat it does not go bigger it gets smaller they're
1: not in combat they are though no they're competing
0: dude it's physical wrestling or fighting you just described it to me as one of those two things that's combat
1: there was a kid um
0: what are we talking about now
1: (laughs) (laughs) i'm just illustrating my point further okay so in my senior year of high school I'm going to leave some details out, but basically there was a ropes course involved and a kid was in a harness and he was about 20 feet off the ground and we all saw that he probably should have worn jean shorts and not the gym basketball shorts he was wearing that day because he really liked the harness.
0: That's unfortunate for that kid.
1: How do you feel bad for the kid but not for the wrestler on international television? I
0: never said I didn't feel bad for him. Of course I feel bad for him. That's terrible. He's
1: bad in combat.
0: I never said that. <laughs> you
1: implied it.
0: No, I did not. <laughs> I'm just saying that's not what happens. I don't understand why he got hard. Maybe that's shit that he gets off on. I don't know. It could be.
1: He really likes wrestling.
0: On to the movie. Okay. So, Angela's not eating, which is what we were talking about beforehand.
1: I just don't want to talk about this scene.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, we'll get past really fast. Okay. So... Ronnie comes over there and is like okay we'll take you back to the kitchen and find you something that you actually do want to eat. He goes back there and he doesn't know what's going on so um, he's like hey Artie why don't you just you know help her find something in uh, the kitchen and you know she'll actually eat and then Artie's like okay and uh, Artie takes her back into the walk-in and um Starts undoing his belt. We don't have to go into super big detail about what happens here, but
1: Ricky saves the day.
0: Ricky asks Meg where his cousin is, and she's like, "Oh, she won't eat." You know, and Christian's like, "Christian, I got like a Ron. Fuck, man, I'm getting all the names messed up here. Uh, I I was going with Tristan because that was his name, but then I was like Christian. It's like "Mm, that's not right. Christian
1: isn't his name either.
0: No, but Ricky. Ricky tells Meg to fuck off. (laughs) because he's being uh, defensive, and she's being a bitch to uh, to Angela. So he goes back there, and uh, he interrupts Artie, and Artie gets mad, and actually- He, he
1: clocks what was happening to you. He's like, what
0: are you doing? Well, how the hell do you not when yeah. you see a man undoing his belt? You know? Like, you know.
1: Also, like, I'm not- to help him do it better but why would you do it in a walk-in in in the middle of mealtime without even like locking the door
0: or something well he's also doing it in the first place which Mm. if you're doing that your judgment is already very poor good point so yeah um so he gets upset and he starts throwing ricky up against the wall which apparently they had to do several takes and it really hurt ricky because He had to do it over and over again, and apparently the guy that was doing it, who apparently, according to that little documentary, is a super kind guy and not at all like his character, Good, but he was really throwing Ricky against the wall there and really (laughs) hurting him. He gets mad, he punches a box, and then they leave. So that's that scene.
1: And then we see him working with the world's tallest broth pot. Um, (laughs) Yes. Industrial size complaining that it hasn't boiled yet, which duh, there has to be like 20 gallons of water in there. And at some point you gotta think it would just be faster to like have many pots of water and boil the corn that way, but whatever, I'm not a chef. So he's boiling it and he gets up on a chair to drop the corn in and somebody comes up behind him and pushes him. And so he's like leaned over the pot with his hands on a shelf and I say this every single time we watch it, like, why wouldn't you just push yourself backwards? Again, not trying to give this dude tips, but, like, I would rather take the fall, hurt myself that way, than for sure boil myself.
0: Well, you don't know if you have enough leverage there to do it either. It's a tricky position yeah. to be in because you're probably going to be fucked no matter what, but at least try something, I guess. Yeah. Instead, well- he she pulls the... Well, I, I guess yeah. we, we see it's yeah. actually
1: it's Jonathan Tearsen's hands for all of these scenes because Felicia Rose's mom would not let her hands being the one doing the killing.
0: Yeah. Um, Stage mom.
1: Yeah. So we see these hands pull the chair out. And as he's falling, he grabs the pot for support, which is dumb. But also I will excuse that as like panic in the moment. What else are you going to do? You know? Yeah. And this is where this is my favorite special effect in the movie. Yeah. Is it's the best are fucking disgusting but there's like even one point you see his face it's all like boiled and gross but you see like a pulsating like blob of blister or whatever on his face like it's going in and out with his breath and it's gnarly as shit the way that it makes me sick but it's so good
0: they did that by so he's not actually laying down in that shot he's propped up against a board like actually standing up straight and they have like all these things pumping gelatin in through his, like, the boils. That way it's, like, actually pulsating. Smart. Yeah, so actually, that's what I'm talking about. Like, it's a low-budget movie, but, like, the effects, especially that one right there, is super effective. The paramedics come and pick him up, and the guy uh, basically says he is experiencing excruciating pain throughout his entire body or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so,
1: Which it's really hard to fucking he, care.
0: He kind of got a fate worse than death here because he's having to deal with that shit. Mel, he is not wanting this shit to get out. Yeah. He thinks that if people catch wind of this guy spilling, boiling water all over himself, the, co- uh, the camp will be shut down, which I think is kind of strange because I don't understand why one accident in a kitchen would be like, oh, we're shutting this thing down. Yeah. Like, in-
1: instead, he basically bribes the rest of the kitchen staff. He makes... Ben, the head chef, gives them fifty more dollars a week. Give and um, tells them to keep everybody else quiet. And says yeah. he'll give them fifteen dollars extra a week.
0: And Ben says, "I always thought already had a little bit of evil in him. And a little bit of devil. A little bit of devil in him.
1: Yeah. Um. Which cool, cool, cool. cool. <laughs> yeah. So he definitely um, knew what was yeah. up. And then that's the last we see of um, Mufasa Senior.
0: I liked his reaction to coming in on Artie on the floor, his like face of terror and just like staring at him down on the ground like that. I thought it was good.
1: So next, we have a scene <laughs> that I, in my notes, simply titled <laughs> Butzart.
0: Oh, poor Mozart! <laughs> is that what? Is this when this happens? Okay.
1: Um, because they've convinced Mozart that if they say he can't do a sit-up that he can't do a sit-up and poor kid is being picked on already so he's like okay I'm going to show him how hard I can sit up the whole point is basically they do all of this that way he's going to like shoot up as fast as he can right? he's going to put as much effort into it as he can but when he does it Paul has pulled his pants down so Mozart's face goes right into the butt
0: that's a good prank I'll give it's, them credit yeah, I think it's funny
1: I it's one of those, like, only kids, man. I I don't even see how this could have been written into the script. It had to have been like, all right, y'all come up with a prank.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Um, And then they go play the longest game of baseball I've seen in a movie since the (laughs) Sandlot.
0: Look, man, I like baseball, but what the fuck? Like, we actually get an entire game. It's like we see each team bat, like, maybe four times.
1: But it gave us my favorite exchange in a movie probably ever again another top 10 of all time which is uh (laughs) eat shit and die ricky eat shit and live bill
0: legendary it's so good this is what i'm talking about why ricky's one of the best shit talkers in all four
1: but this is one of those that makes this movie just so so fucking weird because it's got it's almost slice of life in this way where it's just like common camp things happening, but then you throw in random deaths.
0: Yeah, it's authentic. So, yeah, it's just got
1: this unnaturally long baseball scene, which is also something that I don't really notice when I'm watching it just to watch it. It only really stuck out when I was taking notes on it, and I was like, wow, this scene is going on a lot longer than I remember it going on.
0: Yeah, Um, and it doesn't really serve any purpose either. Mm -mm. It's just that.
1: It kind of sets up the rivalry between this cabin and the cabin of like older boys but i think we would have had enough of that anyway just because they're boys of slightly different age groups and hormones
0: and all of that yeah it it would have been easy to figure that one out
1: yeah so we get to the rec hall and the older oh did i miss something
0: no this is a this is
1: oh oh yeah yeah yeah
0: (laughs) We get to the red call and the older boys are talking about skinny um, dipping. Yeah, they're wanting to go skinny dipping and they're pissed off because they don't want to go skinny dipping with a bunch of dudes and they can't recruit enough girls. So one guy dares the other. I can't remember their names. Uh,
1: Mike and Kenny, maybe. Uh Yeah, Mike and Kenny. Mike
0: and Kenny. So they dare them to go and ask Angela to go skinny dipping with them. And um, well, obviously, because of peer pressure, they go do it. And um, they're over there and they're kind of giving her a hard time because she's not responding. Angela, this entire time in this movie, hasn't said a word.
1: She's got just such wide eyes and just like, she's so good at just staring at people.
0: Apparently that was part of her audition too. She's like getting that stare.
1: Yeah, no, her audition was to eat a candy bar.
0: Pretend like you're eating a candy bar and staring off. Yeah. Um, Did you notice whenever, anytime there was a shot with her just by herself? The camera was always, like, panned just a tad bit higher, so her head's always, like, really low, and you don't get, like, a full shot of her. I wonder if they, like, had any intention with that. It definitely kind of, like, it's noticeable, and I think it's, like, meant to, like, kind of, like, throw you off on her a little bit. Yeah, the
1: the framing is a little bit weird. It doesn't follow the typical rule of thirds that you But it's only with her. Everybody
0: else has a normal, like, framing.
1: Interesting. Yeah. I, I never paid it. I'm going to pay attention to that next time we watch it.
0: Okay, it's especially in the early... There's a couple of later scenes later on where she has normal, but for the most part, she always has that shot. But yeah, they're giving her a hard time because she's not responding to them, and they're just like saying she's loony. Enter Ricky, who is wearing the biggest fucking cowboy hat for whatever reason. I don't even know how he got this thing in there because we saw what he was packing at the beginning of this movie, and...
1: He must have packed all of his clothes inside of this hat. Yeah, he must have
0: <laughs> because it's amazing. I fucking love it. It's my favorite thing. It's who I drew myself as on this, uh, this episode's cover because the cowboy hat is just it gets Legendary. slapped off into yeah. like, it gets like abolished because uh, he goes over there to start shit with him and then um, he's he's not
1: starting. He's sh- shit. He's, he's sticking up for Angela. Angela. Yeah, yeah.
0: And uh, he gets like shoved or like smacked on the side of the head and his cowboy hat flies off never to be seen again
1: it's it's just beautiful um so they they get all you know broken up by the counselors and whatnot meanwhile that was gene's
0: audition was to break up a group of kids like you said before so that's why he had that one yeah
1: um and this is the first of uh many boy piles in in the movie there are lots of boy piles there are dog piles yeah It's only boy dog piles, though, so I'm calling them boy piles.
0: We did those in baseball in the Little League whenever we would win a game.
1: Okay.
0: I'm just saying. like It's not unusual.
1: But yeah, meanwhile, Paul is talking to Angela, talking about all of the pranks that they pulled last year. How they're always getting into trouble, and they're always pulling pranks. And he's just like listing all of them, and it's like... Whatever fucking episode it is of The Office where they're going through Jim's file and all the pranks he's pulled on Dwight, like it's just like
0: the one where uh, Dwight finds the complaint box yeah, in yeah, Toby's yeah. office. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's basically like that, and um, I guess somebody just being nice to Angela is a good change for her. So she's warming up to Paul and Judy across the way. Who we're gonna post this to Instagram, but in one shot we see her in between two boys. And then um as Paul's leaving, he says goodnight to Angela and they say, Goodnight. And he's like, goodnight. Good night. <laughs> um, and then it pans back to Judy, who's got two completely different boys next to her.
0: Dressed very similarly too.
1: Similarly, but not completely the same. It's not feas like it, it doesn't seem like they swapped out. Like it's just different did, shots. Yeah, they did different shots and nobody was there for continuity. We've watched so. this so many
0: times. This was our first time. Like I was like, "Holy shit, I think that's two different people there."
1: Yeah, so we will we will post it. It's seriously, it's less than a 30 second difference in the timestamp for this. Yeah. It's it's one of those that makes this a cult classic. It's fucking beautiful.
0: So, after the recall fight, they uh cut over to the boys, the boys. Actually, the boys. um they're going through with their whole skinny dipping thing. They've got a couple of girls out there on the lake. <clears> and um, what?
1: Bill's wearing tidy whiteies.
0: A lot of them are wearing tidy whiteys. That's kind of like a common underwear choice at this camp, apparently. I don't understand it, but whatever. They are free to wear whatever they want. But the girls aren't feeling it. They don't want to get in the water. I don't know exactly why. I don't really blame them because the boys are not yeah. really being you know cool they're getting super frustrated the
1: boys are lucky that those girls even showed up down next to the lake in the first place
0: the guy gets super aggressive when she says no he's like fine fuck it we'll go in there by ourselves and then they all get naked and run into the water by themselves
1: water boy pile
0: oh yeah there is a water boom <laughs> uh water boy pile there
1: not it's not a pile of um adam sandler's in his role as water boy it's a pile of boys in the water <laughs> just to clarify
0: yeah just so nobody's confused out there
1: <laughs> yeah uh mike and kenny are smoking not not cigarettes um under some cranberry sauce. it's not cranberry sauce um and they're you know high and they try and talk the girls into going out on the canoe and they're like mm, maybe leslie which is just sh- what the fuck did leslie do to them um, and why did Leslie agree to it when she shows up? So Kenny's out there?
0: Kenny's actually sounded genuine. Mike was just like he was Mike, so high that he couldn't really. Mike smoked talk. a
1: majority of that.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> but Kenny's like, come on, like, I won't try anything, let's just go out for a nice canoe.
1: Or Kenny has a higher tolerance. One Probably. or the other. Yeah. Um, so they're out there and then he tips the canoe because what else is a fucking teenage boy gonna do? Again, this felt very like true to life, you know, like you want to flirt with girls, but also you're going to do some dumb shit like this, right?
0: Yeah, that's how some people think. Well, I guess some people flirt that way. It's kind of stupid, but I it's definitely realistic for people that age.
1: Yeah. So she swims away and he goes under the canoe that's tipped over and for some reason thinks that if he goes, Leslie, she'll just pop up under the canoe like he didn't just watch her swim away to shore. Um, so Kenny's not that smart, and I'm going to therefore call this survival of the fittest um, in this moment because we see a mysterious head pop up and he's like, what are you doing here? And then he gets pushed under the water.
0: And you know what? Why? um, How is Angela able to swim up on them out there without being noticed there's no answer to that because obviously people would notice like you can hear people swimming like it's super loud especially in a quiet lake in the middle of the night who knows so i'm just calling that out
1: well we see um the boys back on the shore have to get back to their bunk because they don't want to get caught and they they fucking trash the area so i don't blame it when we cut to the next scene which is the next morning and the lifeguard calling out all these teenage pecker heads yeah i'm with him they were shitty like they weren't getting caught you know they they had to leave before they got caught yeah but no let's trash the place first so he's sitting there trying to fix everything and then oh on top of that he has to find a dead body yep with the water snake, which is one of the things Kenny said Leslie had to watch out for. Oh, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, that, I mean, people shit on that. as looking too fake. But I I actually thought it looked pretty good, all things considered. Like, you know, it's probably not one that you want to linger on too often no. or like too long. But yeah. because it does, that, it kind of keeps the camera on there for a while. But I think it looks pretty decently like the actual kid that played him.
1: Yeah, I think it looked maybe slightly too dead for the yeah, yeah. Of time. it looked very pale more decomposed than it should have been yeah um and then this is where we see the cop come and um we will also have a before and after comparison of this cop on our instagram um it's like the second well, best part we'll, of this whole yeah, thing we'll explain it later um but he's there and mel is like desperately trying to cover up that because like before yeah the cook it's an accident it seems kind of gruesome and might turn some people off but an actual camper dying drowning he's just you know he's just trying to brush it off he's like okay well just you know let me know for sure when you know for sure what killed him and in the meantime we're gonna keep this quiet and i gotta go tell this poor kid's parents like trying to make it seem like he's the one that's under pressure here you know like he's like i'm the one that has to tell this poor kid's parents which it really should be the police i thought that was what the police do
0: well and then ryan's like well i thought and then mel shuts him down and then later like the cop asks he's like well I thought that the kid was a good swimmer. And then I think that makes the cops suspicious. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah. Which, get on the cop for noticing that, that yeah. interaction. He was like, hey, your boss is a dick. What were you going to say <laughs> now that we're yeah. out of earshot? Fucking um, no. hell. <laughs> <no. laughs> we see volleyball happening. Angela's not playing because she doesn't do that. It's. Just there, it's so weird because it seems like there are some organized activities, and then sometimes it's just a free for all so it's hard to tell what is happening at any given time.
0: I think for the most part, it's organized. um waiter like well, no, it's it all seems pretty organized to me, like it's all counselors leading these things. They're all usually present,
1: yeah, I guess, but anyway, Angela's is not playing the volleyball, and the rest of them just seem like they're hating their lives. None of them wanted to be playing volleyball um paul comes over asks angela to go see the movie at the rec hall and angela's like well i thought we already had to and he's like well yeah just you know sit with me or whatever you know the way middle schoolers ask each other out right uh and then judy judy big mad judy big jealous yeah Why doesn't Angela have to play volleyball with the rest of us?
0: She's so over the top with her delivery. She's over the top in a lot of this. She
1: is, and I love it. Like, she's so over the top. Her ponytail gives me a headache looking at it. But I just, iconic. Why does it give you a headache? Because, okay, I've got thick hair, right? Yeah and i used to have really long hair like that and i've done the side ponytail and you know what that shit hurts after a long day it hurts it's a lot of extra weight just pulling it one side of your head is that
0: why that gift says her ponytail died for our sins or something yes because Because it hurts
1: because i never understood that sacrifice the side ponytail it worked hard she worked hard for it Karen Fields probably has no more feeling in her scalp after this movie. And we all have greatly benefited as a result.
0: (laughs) Okay. Well, thank you for clearing (laughs) that up. I had no idea what that was about. It's
1: got theological about a side ponytail. It is what it is. It's fine. Um, But yeah, so it is just... Meg comes up and is yelling at Angela, which I want to ask the question, how long are Meg's fucking bandanas? Because she's got this one wrapped around her neck twice. Earlier, she had one wrapped, like, as a belt. I've tried some of this. Am I buying the wrong bandanas? These don't fit around me that way.
0: I don't know. I admire her bandana game, though. I like she bandanas. She incorporates
1: a bandana into every outfit, and it is admirable because she does it in a different way.
0: That's probably the only redeemable <laughs> thing about her. She's almost like super villain type. Yeah. Uh, over the top in this.
1: So after the movie in the rec hall, Paul's like, hey, Angela, come to the side of the building. I want to show you something. And I just want to be like, after your experience with Artie in the kitchen, you should not listen to a man say, hey, come with me. I'm going to show you something.
0: Yeah. No,
1: uh, and we're not victim blaming here. I'm just saying like the movie has set the tone for what this is No, means. yeah. No, I got you. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's fair um,
1: yeah and Paul kisses Angela who is very clearly uncomfortable but Paul not reading a room is like let me kiss you again and Angela's just like
0: I gotta go think
1: of England like yeah back at bunk 19 we see the old shaving cream prank on old butts art um
0: who then proceeds to draw a knife on Ricky <laughs> because that's what you do <laughs>
1: Uh yeah. Um Gene walks in at this exact moment. Um he's called Gene and Gino in this movie, by the way.
0: Yeah, I think I mean Gene for sure, Gino. Which really yeah. Gino and Gene are pretty much the same length, so
1: Yeah, but he takes the knife and just puts it on another shelf. Like he is really Banking on the honor system here. I think he's
0: challenging Mozart. He's like, if you're gonna get this, you have to fight me. I think he wanted to fight right there.
1: He called out Mozart as being a beta. He's like, you're not gonna come get it. (laughs) And then you know what happens after this? What? Another boy pile. Oh yeah, because Paul was like, all right,
0: settle down there, lover boy. And then they're like, oh, let's pile on him. He will have (laughs) somebody.
1: So we go to the waterfront, and then we see Paul and Angela, and they're cute little flirting. And we find out Angela has a thing for Burt Reynolds. Um, Oh, yeah. (laughs) Meg comes over and starts yelling at Angela in a completely unhinged way. Um, And I need to talk about this codependent relationship between Judy and Meg because Meg is meant to be a counselor. She's meant to be in a position of power. And I've talked about this on our many, many camp movies where i have a big problem with teenagers being in charge of children you know children in charge of other children right yeah because it leads to problems and this is a big one and this is one that i noticed in my time at camps um is that like you see a mean girl-esque counselor who will then click with a mean girl-esque type camper and then it's like you've got a super click inside of a cabin but it's like reinforced with that power dynamic of one of them being the counselor you know yeah and that's what's going on with meg and judy Yeah, it's like a super team yeah i thought it was really well written to have that dynamic there that's very true to life i will give the director this he he wrote the girl cabin dynamics really well
0: that's kind of Um, it's just really impressive
1: because um it's a whole fucking joke that men can't write women and i'm not gonna say that he got all of the dialogue or mannerisms right but he got that power dynamic right
0: yeah that's interesting because i was gonna say like maybe it's all because of how hands off he was with well i mean the way that they describe his directing in that special was he wanted things a certain way and he would make you get it until the way he wanted it so he had a vision obviously and um they all agree that he got like the movie that he wanted out of this. So he definitely had something in mind, but I think he also like gave them some freedom to be authentic and genuine with each other. Um, I think that might explain some of the interactions. Yeah. You know, maybe he's just like, Hey, like, you know, give me like authentic, like camp for somebody your age, you know?
1: Yeah. Ronnie comes over and intervenes and I just want to good guy, Ronnie, Uh, Ronnie does his best, you know? I think he really wants to be a good good head counselor,
0: yeah, he's always good. He's like the probably the best person in this entire thing, yeah. other than Ricky,
1: but this is, you know, in a cruel twist of fate as tends to happen in real life. We get back to the cabin, and Judy's pissed at Angela because Meg is in trouble,
0: yeah, that's so stupid,
1: which literally all Angela did was sit there. It was all Meg. Like, she literally she was just m- sat there. She
0: was mad. Meg was mad because Angela wasn't responding to her. She yeah. didn't, like, answer. She just doesn't talk to her.
1: Yeah, and then this is where Judy gets her whole little tirade of insults and homophobia and all of this, talking about... Angela not showering with the other girls, um, insinuating that she's queer or that she hasn't hit puberty. And then this is where she gets the infamous line, you're a real carpenter's dream, flat as a board and in need of a screw. And then Susie comes up and goes, that's enough. And then Judy, like, uh, there's like a tonal change there that I think is real, like, but she's on her roll and she goes fuck you! And then Susie slaps her and then Susie's shocked at herself and Angela's like, I'm gonna go see my cousin. And Susie's just traumatized. Judy went off crying. Meg is in the punishment chamber. Like Everybody's a wreck. Yeah. (laughs) And Angela's just like, hi!
0: That's why I I hesitated to call her one of the good counselors because she ends up actually physically assaulting one of them.
1: You have threatened to hit people in movies before.
0: But I've never acted on it. And
1: you said... You enjoy the children deaths in this movie.
0: I do, but, uh, you know, I'm... Listen, I'm not saying that I would be a good counselor in these movies. <laughs> I'm just calling it out. Like, that person right there slapped another, like, kid. So, other despite what they've done in this movie, because she's actually, like, a good character and sticks Up for Angela, she is pretty shitty in that moment. Yeah. So, it is what it is.
1: Um. Wall... Wow angela's walking the boys from the rival cabin to ricky's bunk are having a balloon water or having a roof water balloon fight
0: oh yeah which
1: sounds like the most dangerous shit in the world which tracks for teenage boys
0: yeah i can't believe they actually let them shoot this Uh (laughs) on a roof too like they were standing on the roof having a water balloon fight
1: um they hit angela with one and then um this is where Ricky comes over and he's letting out this whole stream of obscenities. That, and that was unscripted because that was like what he auditioned with. They were yeah. like, all right, Jonathan, you just let loose here. What do you think? And then Mel walks up and he, to his credit, does actually dish out some punishment to these boys for being unsafe.
0: And he checks on Angela too.
1: And he checks on Angela and he also takes away canteen privileges from Ricky because of his potty mouth. But it is in no way enforced. Um.
0: No, not at all. <laughs>
1: um,
0: so, af- yeah, after that, um, one of the main boys... Bill. Bill. He's like, I got to go take a wicked dump. So he goes to the bathroom to take a wicked dump. And <laughs> Angela sees the opportunity and decides to cut...
1: The, the killer, Travis. The We've killer- already... Yeah.
0: <laughs> so they they cut... Like a hole in the window because it's like a screen window, and just dump like an entire bee or hornet or wasp
1: nest. It looks like bees crawling on his face at the end.
0: Okay, well, they drop it into the stall and.
1: Dude, he had so much time to crawl under the I door. I know, when he that's saw what I was that. thinking too.
0: Like, he could have easily just crawled under it, but yeah, the guy like, gets stung to death.
1: You know, it's one of those moments we talk about people not wiping when their lives are in danger. No, this is and way di- worse. Yes. Yeah, like, if I saw a bee's nest and I was like in the middle of doing whatever, I don't care, I'm stopping, I'm crawling under the door. Dignity be damned, yeah. I'm not dying by bees.
0: Well, you can just go over to the next stall and, no, you know. the
1: bees can get you there too, Travis. Well, they
0: can, but they're probably not going to go after you. They're probably just going to stick close to their hive. No, you know? they're
1: going to be pissed after it being shaken because we see it being shaken a little bit before it gets Why? Down. Why were they
0: not attacking Angela? Because that's know. who disturbed the whole nest.
1: I don't fucking know.
0: Well, all we do know is we get to see his dead body come out and that thing looks fucking gnarly because it's got all kinds of wounds all over it and some of them are like blisters that are already busted open. I can't even tell what else happened, but maybe he was allergic to bees. Who knows? It fucked him up.
1: But after this, we learn there are only 25 campers left, which is fewer than what we saw in the beginning of the movie. There were
0: like 25 campers in the first bus.
1: Yeah um so mel's just for sure that the camp is over and he's also for sure that it's ricky and ronnie's just trying to be positive he's like hey we'll just consolidate the cabins it'll be great we can take more care of the kids that way and plan more activities yeah paul and angela are at the lake and paul is pushing her limits and he's he's trying to unbutton her shirt and because they're like kissing and he tries to unbutton her shirt and she like pushes his hand away and he's like come on angela i'm not doing anything which like yeah you fucking are paul you are trying to unbutton her shirt yeah like don't don't give that bullshit you are too doing something and you might not think it's a big thing but she gave you a pretty clear boundary she pushed your hand away she was saying no
0: yeah paul doesn't know the word no apparently
1: yeah um and we see in this moment, she has like a flashback of seeing her dad and Lenny in bed together. This is where that flashback comes from. It's a
0: confusing scene for some watching.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, we're many watches in before I've had some of this analysis. And even now,
0: myself. I still think like the show with the so kids. It's so overdramatic. The, the, the shot with the, like the revelation that the dads are a couple. Like I get that now, but I don't fully understand what, um, Angela and Peter are supposed to be doing.
1: I think they're just like mimicking what they saw because they're small kids and they're at that age developmentally where they don't really know what it means, but they're like in that exploratory phase.
0: Okay, well it's not super explained. I don't really no. it, it's just it's kind of bizarre.
1: It's also weird because it's like an all black background and the bed is just like spinning. Yeah. It's very weird.
0: That's part of what I'm talking It's um, just confusing. It, it
1: adds a weird dream like State to it. I do which like you're that like, though. Is this a thing that happens?
0: Yeah, I, I like that though because it kind of throws you off. You're like, what the fuck is happening? This is like entering surreal territory now.
1: Um, the next day they are playing capture the flag, and Paul does like the worst fucking apology ever. He's like, I didn't, I didn't do anything. I'm sorry. I'm like, yeah, I, off, did, Paul. I
0: didn't do anything. Yeah. um forgive me.
1: And Angela, uh, who has learned her own self worth from Ricky, is like, nah.
0: I would um, like it if she, like, launched into, like, a Ricky and like, <laughs> fuck you, motherfucking cocksucker, you know, just, like, exactly what Ricky was saying to those boys on top of the cabin.
1: But then Judy swoops in. She sees the opening, and Angela, while she's walking away, um, is intercepted by Ricky, who's like, hey, I know how we can win Capture the Flag, and she's like, nah, I'm fucking over it, and he's like, the sooner we're done, the sooner you don't have to play, and she's like, fine, what are we doing, and... He- uh, he's like, okay, we're gonna sneak through the woods and go that way. Like, he acts like it's some grand master plan. He's just whatever. Um, <laughs> it's, not, it's not. It's not. It's not like the biggest, most creative plan ever. But it is what it we're is. We're gonna go
0: to their side, and we're gonna get their flag.
1: Yeah. Um, but when they're cutting through the woods, they see Judy and Paul kissing, and then it's just like extra shitty. And you know what? It's not just shitty of Paul to Judy. It's shitty of Paul to his BFF Ricky. Exactly,
0: yeah. Like no, that Paul, doesn't get addressed.
1: Yeah, like Paul lost my faith the night before where he was pushing Angela and being shitty about it. But like, he was beyond redemption at that point. I'm like, dude, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, you just yeah, suck.
0: You just fucked over two people you were yeah. close to. Yeah,
1: Ricky deserves better out of a friend. He does. Um. Yeah, so we've got that that whole thing. We're back at the waterfront now, and Paul apologizes one more time, but Judy interrupts and just, like, generally insults both of them. Yeah. Meg comes over, and they do this We're like, Oh, Angela doesn't want to get into the water. They do this whole annoying, like, baby talk thing that I hate, (laughs) and then they throw Angela in the water, and then Meg finally gets her wish because Angela starts talking to her, and she's like, No, don't throw me in the water. I can't swim it's a lie she does have some water associated trauma though so she's like got a valid point there and ricky walks up sees this happening is trying to go help and mel is like i know you're killing people and ricky's like what the like my cousin's about to be drowned and mel's like no you can't keep going to her rescue and it's like what the fuck are you doing mel yeah you know um
0: meanwhile ronnie's in the background working out you can see yeah (laughs)
1: In the in the middle distance, Ronnie's lifting yeah. weights.
0: <laughs> oh, and so, I also like the lifeguard's comment to Meg is like, "You know what, Meg? You're a real peckerhead."
1: <laughs> yeah, I have that noted too. Um, yeah, Ricky has gone to help Angela out of the water, and as he's walking her up, the little kids are throwing sand at her and laughing at her. Um, so it's just like Sad. general shittiness. Yeah, I feel bad for Angela knowing like that. That's how. They watch their sibling and parent die in the water. Like, it's yeah. fucking traumatic. Um, In the rec hall at the social, we see, um, like, okay. So we see that there's going to be a social in the rec hall. Eddie has been assigned to take the little ones camping. Yes. Um,
0: Meg has got the mm, night off. Yeah,
1: Meg has the night off, and she has a date with Mel. It's real gross.
0: She's the one who asked him out, though. So
1: he—it made it sound like he had asked her out before.
0: He looks shocked that she she, she, she walks up to him. Up on it. She walked up to him. She's like, you know what? I'm off tonight. He's like, oh, that's nice. Yeah. And she's like, you know, what about that dinner we talked about? And he's like, oh. Fuck. It's just
1: there has to be like honest to god a fifty year age difference between them. Yeah, and not. Not to mention the power dynamic with him being her boss. Like, it's just, yeah. it's gross on so many levels. Oh, yeah.
0: So she's going over into um She's going cabin. to the
1: next cabin over because the girls in her own cabin won't let them cut, won't let her cut for the shower. Which right. I just thought, like, that's one of my favorite shots because they all just turn around in line and stare at her. And she's like, okay, cool.
0: Can't be a bitch to all of them.
1: Nope. Um, And she's humming this stupid song while she shares. It's
0: not even a song, I don't think. It's just like she's humming
1: notes. (laughs) Um, And she gets stabbed and dragged along her spinal cord. And I don't know what kind of brute strength is needed to do that because that's a lot of like bone and sinew and fluid and shit that you have to get through. Got to be strong. Yeah, real strong. Um, and also, we get this close-up of the knife being rinsed off afterwards in the running shower before the shower's turned off, and yeah. I think it's Mozart's knife.
0: Oh, I didn't even think about that. Which
1: I think is part of the reason they showed the knife before, because this whole time they're trying to give the misdirection that it is Ricky.
0: Dude, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Nice That's catch. L-
1: this was literally my first time catching that, because I was just like, knives, whatever, it's summer camp in the 80s, like, everybody has a fucking knife, it's fine.
0: I don't even um, think that we've gotten to the scene or I think we've passed it but also that shot where um Paul is like looking for Angela and he sees him out in the, the middle of the night just like looking around peeking around the cabins I didn't realize like how much of a giveaway that was at the oh, time Oh yeah that
1: was right after the bee thing
0: yeah. Yeah. So like right away, like you you should have suspicions that it's Angela, but yeah. like, it never crossed my mind when mm-hmm. we first watched this.
1: It crossed my mind only because I'd seen two, so I uh, knew Angela was the killer. Oh
0: no! Uh, what I saw two first with you before we watched this, but you know, yeah, I'm stupid, so you know I don't catch things. I didn't catch the Mozart thing either.
1: Paul comes to a. Paul. Oh, maybe this is where. It happens. I thought it was after the B thing, but it might be after this.
0: Paul apologizes apologize. outside the rec hall.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. Outside the rec hall. Um, and Angela's like, meet me at the waterfront. Did I do a good Jersey accent? That was really good, okay. yeah. Um, I She doesn't have a
0: super thick Jersey accent, though.
1: Not super thick. I don't have a super thick imitation, so. Okay. But yeah, so that's their plan. Um, We see... This is the most upsetting and the least justified one for me. Yeah. And I know this is the one that you were thinking yes. about before. Because all these kids did was throw sand at her. Yeah. Um, oh, were
0: these the kids that did that? Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. So like all the kids are camping and Eddie, like acts like he's annoyed by them like he's kind of like the annoyed big brother with them yeah um like he doesn't want to be out there he doesn't want to be doing it but at the end of the day he's like okay well yeah okay these two kids are like eddie it's cold take me back eddie and like we know they're far enough away from the main camp that he has to drive and i don't understand why they put one counselor with all of these small children to go on an off-site camping trip Simply because of situations like this. You know what I mean? Like, that should be two counselors minimum for yeah. this type of scenario. I mean,
0: they obviously had extra counselors available since they exactly. had so many missing.
1: Exactly. So, when he comes back, we see all of these little torn up, bloody sleeping bags. It's these are upsetting. little kids. They're little so kids. They're like the youngest age group. They're like six or seven. It's it's very upsetting.
0: Yeah, it's upsetting. Um. But like I said yeah i don't mind if the stakes are high
1: so mel can't find meg
0: mel can't find meg
1: mel can't find meg and he's like asking around at the social like have you seen meg and i'm like it's her night off and he's like yeah she's supposed to be meeting me and i'm like dude it's like some o'clock. fucking discretion like yeah.
0: supposed to meet me an hour ago cool it's like eleven thirty here so obviously you guys are going to be doing something
1: yeah so he's going around trying to find them he goes to the cabin where Judy has um Mike, the stoner boy from before. Yeah. Um, there he's kissing her too wet. Um, yeah. <laughs> and she makes him hide under the bed when Mel comes in, and she does a pretty convincing job. Like, he, whatever. Mel doesn't care. He's just horny. Um, and after he leaves, Mike's like, "I'm gonna leave. It was too close to call." And she's like, "He's not coming back." And he's like, "Whatever." Um, he's like, I kissed too wet for you. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, she was like yeah. being
0: so fucking rude to him.
1: And then she sits there and she decides she's gonna curl this one little stray strand of hair. Like she's got a curling iron on just for this one little piece. And this is what she does for fun alone in the dark. It's weird. Um,
0: <laughs> Hobbies.
1: And you see the door open, and this was actually um, Jonathan Tiersten in a wig. For the shot, um, to give it... Because if it had been Felicit Rose, it would have been too obvious. So they wanted to make it more ambiguous, because they've been setting it up as Ricky the Killer. The the way that
0: this is, you're not even... We're not supposed to see that. The way that this was playing in theaters originally, like it would have been the picture or maybe on dvd i don't know about theaters but like it, it's not supposed to be that queer that it's yeah. ricky yeah but. no
1: they wanted a more ambiguous silhouette which they wouldn't have had with Felicity rose and since they'd been using jonathan tearson's hands yeah like, you just put on a wig and we'll put you there in the
0: doorway the way that i've always like read it is that because of like the blu-ray and like the scannings that they've done like you're able to see more detail in the silhouette than what's intended you're not supposed to see yeah. that much of ricky yeah there.
1: it's one of those moments where um has technology gone too far yeah a little bit but yeah so judy gets uh curling iron off her vag
0: yep that's a pretty fucking brutal death too apparently they had that recorded like they actually had that on there but they had to cut it
1: i don't even want to know how they would have recorded that
0: i don't know man it little... would have been nasty though
1: yeah Mel walks into the cabin next door and Meg conveniently falls over right at that moment.
0: Yeah, right out of the (laughs) shower. That has no Um, door.
1: And Mel, in a complete lack of sensitivity towards everybody that died before her, says, Not you, Meg. Not you.
0: He's like, He did this. He did this to get back at me. First of all, how would Ricky know that you and Meg had a thing going?
1: Yeah. Nobody
0: knew about that.
1: Yeah, but uh, Ricky knew that Meg was mean to Angela.
0: Yeah, but he said he did it to get back at me.
1: Oh well, Mel is not the brightest. Yeah, yeah. So we see Mel. He finds Ricky and beats the shit out of him while unconscious. He's all of this, yeah. And then he walks onto the archery range and sees. He says, "You," and then he gets shot right in the throat.
0: Also, a decent effect.
1: Meanwhile, like, I think it's Ronnie gets a call about yeah. the 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 little kids and so they're trying to gather all of the campers and keep everybody safe because they assume there's a killer on campus, which is fair.
0: Yeah.
1: Um and they realize that Paul and Ricky are both missing, so they have a couple of the counselors go and search, including Susie and Ronnie. Yeah. And um we cut to the waterfront. Angela proposes skinny dipping, which Paul is not gonna say no to and we see the cop come up who talks to um, the other counselors, and he has the world's worst fake mustache on.
0: Yes. And that's
1: what we have the before and after shot for. So what happened is this scene had to be filmed or refilmed. Um,
0: The schedule was weird, but yeah.
1: Yeah, so he had shaved in between basically his earlier scenes and this scene. Yeah. Um, And they just slapped like a halloween city like fake ass mustache on it's him. so obvious it's and I god bless the people who edited our um copy of our blu-ray because in the the menu screen um you know how the like show f- flashes of different scenes one of them is like him coming out of the bunk with just like a close up of his mustache yeah, they they knew what was glorious This is good Yeah, and that's where they find Ricky was uh, badly beaten, but he's still alive. So he's not one of the victims. And then we come up on Susie and Ronnie. Walking up on the beach and we hear Angela humming. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And we see this flashback of Aunt Martha talking to a small child with bandages all around their head, saying, oh, Ricky's Richard's going to be so happy when he comes back and finds a new sister, and going on and on and on. And then, Angela, yes, what a wonderful name. After all, I already have a son, and that's where you find out. Oh, shit, Angela's actually Peter. And then we cut to present day, and we see Paul's head, tumble to the ground and we see a random college student wearing a um
0: a mold of a mold Felicero's of Felicero's face.
1: face with glass eyeballs yeah um and that's like the big reveal that i talked about in like at the beginning of this naked episode. with the yeah, dick naked. hanging naked. out
0: because obviously we need to see that this 13 year old is in fact a boy so but it, it's a very creepy shot in my opinion
1: the facial expression that Felissa Rose is making is iconic.
0: Yeah, and I think it's enhanced like the creepiness of it because they have the cast like the fake face on like this person that has like the frame of their body doesn't even match what we had been seeing this entire time. Yeah, and
1: I'm just saying I feel like this moment would have been just as impactful without the reveal that Angela was actually Peter this whole time. Like, because we had enough of the story of the background trauma and all of this, like, I don't think we needed this extra twist thrown in. No, I mean... I don't think it was necessary.
0: I don't... I'll play devil's advocate and say that. I don't necessarily think that it's anything portraying, like, anything negative here. I think that they... He just wanted, like, something to shock people. Like, you're not supposed to see that coming... He approached this yeah, movie because he wanted he wanted a, an intro that would be, like, crazy and grab people's attention. And then he wanted people to, like, the ending scene to be, like, shocking and make them, like, leave with, like, an impression.
1: Yeah, but there are actual trans people in the world, and it's not good to commodify commoditize them. Like yeah, that. I get that. I so, get that. Uh, taking an actual person's lived experience and turning it into shock value is in poor taste.
0: Yeah, but I mean, it's a lot of horror movies. You know?
1: Yeah. Alright, so that's the movie. Um, my score is not changing after talking about it. No. And what about yours?
0: No, I'm not going to change mine either. I like it a mm. lot. 9.5 is pretty good for me.
1: I think Talia would say it's an 8 because she was very chill the whole time i have very limited talia notes on this because she was just she was just chill and i think she would think it's an eight because even though the water is presented as um a source of trauma in this movie talia is very anti-water so even that much is like too stressful for her yeah definitely but because it is so effective she would at least give it an eight
0: okay i can see that okay so i've got the review that i want you to defend oh, picked boy. Up. all right So, for those who are listening for the first time, I have to pick a review that is negative. And uh, it's my choice. And Jesse has to defend it to the best of her ability, no matter what.
1: And he has to counter it.
0: And I have to counter it. I forgot about that part. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because I'm not prepared to do that. Mm -hmm. All right. So, the title of the review is This is either god-awful trash or really, really deep, and I just don't get it. Smiley face. (laughs) All right, it starts off with spoilers, but who cares? This isn't (laughs) the usual suspects. Read on. Smiley face. (laughs) (laughs) You can basically sum this movie up as an 88 minutes of homosexual innuendo. The boys in the movie wear very feminine clothes. You see dozens of naked guys and even a homosexual love scene, but not a single breast shot in the entire movie. In almost every other scene the guys seem to be touching to on one and another. If I remember correctly, the chef was a pedophile. <laughs> <laughs> then the ending where How we see far Angela away
1: from watching this movie to this person write
0: this review? Oh <laughs> well, probably as they were watching the movie. Then How the you ending where that? then the ending where we see Angela is a really a boy by a full frontal nudity shot juxtapose this with the horrible acting and low budget it might be kind of hard to swallow pun intended (laughs) haha that the director would have mixed a commentary on sexual identity in low budget ultra b schlock but seriously sit down and watch this you be the judge
1: um I mean okay the chef was a pedophile there were many boy files (laughs) you're
0: just stating facts
1: so was this review
0: (laughs) whoa Yeah, I guess. (laughs) The whole thing is talking about how it's 88 minutes of homosexual innuendo.
1: I mean, I've already talked about how I do think that this movie touches on um, exploring one's own sexuality. I don't say that it would be purely homosexual, and I do think there are elements of homophobia. um, But I do think there are some moments that um, embrace, you know, a little boy-on-boy touching, which people should be more comfortable with. So. yeah. Uh I don't And necess- also um do do we have a re- I'm not going to say we we talk to the review, not the reviewer. Yeah. We're not attacking people. Um but the reason there are no breasts is because
0: the actors were
1: literal children.
0: Not all of them.
1: Enough of them.
0: Yeah, we could have gotten like camp counselor boobs, you know.
1: I think a lot of them were teenagers too
0: a lot of them in all the movies are teenagers but like you know they're like the 18s usually you know
1: well this one casted way younger than most of them it did but
0: also ricky was 17
1: i wouldn't want to see a naked ricky
0: i'm not saying that either (laughs) full Uh,
1: ricky all right all
0: right well okay what's
1: your argument against it
0: well i don't think there's anything really gay like going on in this entire movie like um, I think that well, I mean, other the director said that um he was asked something similar about this before and his response was all of that was foreshadowing for the finale, which I think is like a big ass pull of an answer. Because I don't think that like none of this foreshadows anything. Like there's I don't think that homosexuality really is a thing. I think I, like if they're talking about Angela at the end, like at that point I think Angela has embraced the whole being a female
1: yeah that's a tricky tricky way to look at it and also sexual identity and sexual attraction are completely separate things psa okay it's the more you know.
0: a, all right well it's a super tricky thing to discuss so yeah. maybe i don't have a place discussing well it. that's
1: more more directed at the director than anything
0: okay well but, yeah, I don't think that there's any of that stuff going on. It's just people being normal people. The, the closest thing to that was the guys skinny dipping together. But whatever.
1: Naked water boy pile. Yeah. All right. I think I've already talked about my one change, right?
0: Yeah. You've made that pretty clear.
1: Yeah. What would be your one change?
0: Um, I don't have to do a change. It's not my movie. Or do Oh, yeah,
1: a... yeah, yeah. That is me, isn't it? Yeah. Dream sequel?
0: Um, I want to see what he had to do uh i want to know what his original script was i don't really have anything that i would want differently because i love the sequel to this movie
1: yeah that's kind of my thought is that two and three i love so 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 much and i don't really like i know sometimes i come up with a lot of silly ideas as dream sequels for movies but those are like the epitome of silliness i couldn't do better than them yeah
0: they're great yeah We'll probably talk about them. So we'll find a way to discuss those movies on this show.
1: Yeah. All right. Who did you relate to? Uh,
0: I related to the pissed off wife um, guard or counselor <laughs> that is uh, calling people peckerheads all the time. Nice. Because like, all of those people were being peckerheads. What about you?
1: I think I related to Susie being in the position of like having to be like the good guy and the peacemaker but then occasionally also losing my cool
0: okay (laughs) so so slapping some people when they need it yeah okay
1: all right um see our show notes for how to find us because i'm done fucking this up on air just look at our show notes we do have a website what's your least favorite scary movie.com Uh, Can't fuck that up because that's the name of our podcast. Yeah. We did not deviate from that at all. Thank goodness. Uh, We've got like all of our podcast episodes are there. We've got additional writings there. Um, Additionally, check out Haunted Montreal's written Haunted MTL. Uh, They've got a podcast called Streaming Demons that we are on. And they said we have the episode we recorded with them should be up sometime this week or next. Yeah um it's kind of a cool it's like a little 30 minute podcast it gives yeah. you like a a spoiler free review of uh, movies that you can stream right now so yeah it's uh it's a pretty cool podcast we also have um something special coming up with them coming up soon and we'll talk about that more when it comes closer to time yep so just make sure that you write and review us wherever you listen to us because it helps other people find us um you know, give us five stars, even if it's not in your heart. It's in our hearts, and so we appreciate it. Yeah. Um, in the meantime, you know where to find us. Check in the show notes. We're on all the social medias, and we've got email and all of that. Talk to us. Let us know how you're feeling. We will be posting the schedule for August soon, but I'm going to give you a little hint to check our mainstream on Sunday, August 1st, because there might be a little something special there. Not going to say what. Not going to say who. I am going to say that Travis hates the way I say his name. So there we go. See you next time. Bye. Bye.